Good afternoon, welcome to the panel RNZ National on State Highway 1 Southern Motorway. Due to a crash on State Highway 1, the left northbound lane is blocked between Orange Road and Hill Road. Move to the right and pass with care. We'll keep you updated on that. That was a 3.40 flash. It might well be cleared now, but uh, we'll let you know. Also, uh, this from 4pm, uh, due to a breakdown on State Highway 1, the middle northbound lane, uh, lane 2 of 5, is blocked on the Auckland Harbour Bridge. So, uh, middle northbound lane, lane 2 of 5, blocked on the Auckland Harbour Bridge. Uh, Janet Wilson, David Slack with me this afternoon, and to this first What's in a slogan? They are always a key part of political election campaigning, aren't they? The Labour Party launched its new campaign slogan yesterday, In It For You. That's it, In It For You. Prime Minister Chris Hipkins said, I hope New Zealanders know I'm in it for them and I understand the challenges they're facing. You may recall some of the more well-known slogans, Let's Do This, Labour's slogan from 2017. Under John Key's national, there was Choose a Brighter Future. Barack Obama had change and hope. Donald Trump's Make America Great Again. Nationals this year is Get Our Country Back on Track. So what roles do slogans play? With us is Dr Mike Lee, Associate Professor in the University of Auckland's marketing department. Dr. Lee, welcome. Kia ora, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Well, firstly, what do you make of In It For You? I think it could be a little bit stronger. It comes across a little bit um, lacking in sort of a you know a call to action or um, you know something with a bit more power. I mean, obviously, in, in defence of most politicians, I, I would hope they're, they're all in it um, for us. To some some extent, you know, put in a lot of hard work and it's very uh, sort of un- ungrateful job. But for a party to truly have the street cred to be able to use the "in it for you" sort of slogan, um, you know, the the voting public, the people they want, their target market would really have to believe that this person really is in it for them. And I, I just don't get the feeling that the the people they want to vote for Labour um, truly feel that connected to the slogan. I've had a wonderful afternoon, I've got to say, Mike, uh, you know, going back in history and looking at some of the ones, uh, you know, both here and internationally, for example, in 93, Nationals won. Very simple, let's just get on with it. Uh, mm. and, uh, and Labour's in 63, let's get cracking. So very to the point, um, w- what role do they play? Well, the average voter does not have the time nor the patience to, to look through, you know, hundreds of pages of policy. And so when it comes to sort of the, the crunch time in, in politics and particularly in election years, you see that, you know, two things happen, right? It's a, it's a simplifying of everything into something very snappy. And that's yeah. the role a slogan will play. But the other thing is the personality of the leader of, of the, the, the parties in question. And that's why you see, you know, they, they say people vote on personality, not policy. Now, that's not the best decision to be making when you're voting, but it is a heuristic. And people like to make complicated things very simple, particularly because it may not be very high on their priority of concern. Okay, Janet Wilson. Um, I'm really interested in your comments on what happens when you have a slogan like this that may apply to one or two people, but doesn't apply to the entire caucus. Because um, in it for you, um, if you look at what's happening in the caucus in in recent weeks and months, they haven't been in it for them. They've been in it for themselves. So my question is, what happens when 
the slogan fails to hit or that it's not accurate. Yeah, and that's a great observation, Janet. And, and you know, it will diminish the authenticity of the party, won't it? People will think, yeah. you know, if, if, if it doesn't hit home, the first thing they're going to think is, are you really in it for me? Do you really yeah. get the interest rates increasing my cost of living, etc.? Do you really get the potholes I'm driving through every day, etc., etc.? So it will sort of, um, the, you know, the idea of hypocrisy then sort of sort of rears its ugly head. Yeah. Uh, David, David Slack. I agree entirely. Uh, well, I was going to ask another question, but I, I need to address that one first because I, I would say in defence of those caucus members that they were defending themselves from attacks that weren't necessarily founded, that so, that imputed self-seeking interest uh, and... and uh, then uh, the case was not made out. So I, I don't. I think it's a little unfair to say that. I, I think also that we've got a, a proposition here where, you know, the reminder needs to be that the, the politics has a, a purpose, and we need to be talking about those purposes. And 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 I I do utterly take this point that people are short of time and, and want to have things um, made concise for them. But by the same token, I've watched campaigns over the years. And seen that there are times when you can get a, a politician who can get people, I don't know, um, taken up with the with with a sense of possibility. And I think of uh, Obama when you mentioned his uh, phrase. The, there was the, the one that actually got him elected was "Yes, we can," and that's a different kind of a thing. Where the, the slogan arguably is just the starting point. That, that invites people to think a bit more about it. And what he did in that campaign was get many, many people to get involved online. It was really the first online campaign. I'm sorry, uh, uh, Mike, I do mean to come to you with a question in a moment, but I, I, I do think it's worth reflecting on these things because I, I, I want to make it clear that what really exercises me here in this election is that so much is, try, is being reduced to soundbite and, and something uh, that leaves people with this, the assumption, the erroneous assumption, that they can ask no further and, and, be, and, and need not trouble themselves to ask themselves more. For example, uh, this idea that the, uh, the government is, is ruining the economy or wasting money when no substantiation is really offered because we've got a kind of a 24-7 cycle now that is happily feeding on these little McNuggets without ever allowing okay. enough time to go further. Do you uh, do you get a sense, I mean, what, what are you saying, David? Do you see that, uh, or, or, or Dr Lee, some people might be... Uh, um, see slogans as the commodification of politics? Yeah, certainly. Uh, to, to a certain extent, you know, there'll be a smaller percentage that will um, be, I guess, will, will take the slogan and think a bit more deeply about the, the, the tactics, the execution of how exactly they are in it for us or how exactly we're going to get the country back on track. Because it's always in the how, right? The how are they going to do this? The slogan might invite a little bit of more thinking around the topic, maybe even invite a bit of criticism, might get the opposition to sort of start, um, you know, uh, presenting their ideas a little bit more strongly. So there is a role for that to get the conversation started as very sort of small, bite-sized pieces of information people can throw around and have a conversation about. Um, but I think at the end of the day, they're also it's just like branding of any other product, right? You can learn, you'll, you'll have a small percentage of people that will go through the tech specs of the latest you know, TV or, or whatever it might be or mobile phone, but 
it comes down to a couple of sentences for the majority of the consumers. And by consumers, uh, I mean the voters. I mean, I'm wondering what interests me, Janet Wilson, is the ones that I recall and the ones I don't. For example, um, for, for whatever reason, um, I've always recalled a brighter future. Uh, under national, yeah. it seemed to you know it had a uh, it had a it had a ri- did it have a ring? I guess it had a ring or mm. uh, let's do this. I can recall. Yeah, those I two. really liked let's do this because it was yeah. a- I liked let's do this because it was simple, it was action oriented, and it was mm-hmm. it was a, a wee statement that we were all in this together. Yeah, I yeah. agree. Yeah, agree there was that was almost harking back to sort of. Uh, you know, almost very similar to the "Yes, We Can" Obama one of 2008. It was very, it was people were ready for a change at that point when Jacinda was coming yeah. in, because uh, it had been subsequent national-led um, government, and so they were ready for a change. And let's do this was that co- collective call to action to change, uh, just like "Yes, We Can" from Barack Obama. Um, but now this is a change election. Sorry, people are getting a little bit sick and tired, and so in it for you. Doesn't really. I mean, if you had to compare the two, then back on track has a little bit more action to it, right? Yeah. Would you agree, Mike, that the the the, the slogan really needs to invite a, a, an expanded conversation? You know, it, should, it needs to be a starting point rather than an end. Yeah, and currently the way it's positioned invites criticism to a certain extent. Unfortunately, you know, um, because when when someone says "I'm in it for you," then the next automatic question is, oh, "Are you really?" Um, <laughs> and then people yeah. start to think yeah, a little yeah. bit more deeply about that, right? Whereas back on track might get the same criticism. How exactly? But that invites a conversation that's less defensive and more forward thinking. Goodness gracious me, gosh, there's quite a bit in there when you start once you start thinking, isn't there, Doctor Lee? Uh, lovely to have you on the program. I appreciate it. Thank you, no problem. And this is the sort of stuff. If you worked in an ad agency, David Slack, you could be paid. There was an amazing documentary. Indeed I have. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> Actually, we both have. Come to think <laughs> <of> yes. <laughs> but there's an amazing documentary of how they arrived at Te Papa's Our Place. I must uh, confess uh, I haven't seen it. It's, it's amazing. Oh, really? Uh, and it costs hundreds of thousands of dollars. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. Um, I, I do kind of fret about, you know, all the way back to Joe McGuinness's book in about the 1968 election, The Making of the President, which kind of demonstrated the way advertising thinking had kind of taken control of presidential campaigns and, and, and as we've seen subsequently, taken hold of most political marketing campaigns because, you know, you really can get your votes that way. Right. It does leave you with the problem that the kind of rousing oratory and and halls full of people having at it gets kind of pushed to the side and that's a damn shame because we need people doing that. Uh, Another news uh, on the panel, 18 past four, National is pledging $500 million over three years into a pothole repair fund, potholes. Quite the issue this year, both political and in terms of safety. Many see it as a symbol of letting our road maintenance decline. Others, it's the heavy traffic, like trucks or road surface type. And then there's the weather. National Simeon Brown said last year over 54,000 potholes needed repair on state highways. The AA road safety spokesperson Dylan Thompson said national announcement a good signal. Well, we spoke about potholes a few months back with one Eric King, and many of you said, well, I want to hear Eric King back on your show. So with us is Eric King, Managing Director of Scorpio Engineering, based in Rotorua. 
Eric, welcome to the show again. Thank you. Yes. Hi. Last yes. time, last time, Eric, you said that you had fixed about fifty to sixty wheels in a week due to potholes. Give us That's an update. Right. That's correct. The, uh, they just keep on coming in. The, uh, they, they have slowed down a bit, but uh, the one good long we- wet weekend and they'll all be back again. It's it, it's an industry which is sort of up and down all the time. But uh, yeah, the uh, but it, it, the situation is not going to improve unless we can improve the management of the roads and the system of which they repair potholes because. A lot of the times when a pothole appears, somebody reports it, then there's a then it's got to be an environmental report, and then a few days go by and then they've got to do a management traffic management report and then they go and fix it. By that time the a, a pothole the size of a rubbish tin lid has now undermined the, the rest of the road around it, which in a large area probably the size of a car. And when they patch it, all that area around the original pothole is, is absolutely waterlogged if it's been raining, and it's going to all fail again. The, what? The, 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 they've got, you, the only way they can deal with the potholes is they have to get onto them straight away as quick as they can and get them sealed up again so the water, water in particular doesn't get into them and underneath, undermine the road. But I do appreciate that a lot of problem has occurred because... With the horrific amount of wet weather, the water table in a lot of the areas has risen, and it does make the ground softer. But yeah, the uh, the, the whole process of repairing potholes is uh, is absolutely appalling. I've seen holes that have been repaired six times, and you think, do these people not ever learn? Well, you see it, Eric, and you fix it. Before we go to our um, uh, panellists, because they're, they're, they're chomping at the bit on this, um, a, a car comes in, maybe your, your Tesla comes into your garage. Uh, Eric, what sort of damage does a pothole do to a car? Um, it's Generally speaking, if it's if it's got uh, what you call full-profile tyres, uh, you, you generally don't sustain... T- any damage to the undercarriage of the vehicle, but with low profiles and a lot of the battery electrics which run low profiles, higher higher pressure tyres, yeah, they can can sustain damage. I remember a case where I was bought two wheels and they're off a certain uh, brand of vehicle, and then they, they, they then the mechanics bought these bloody the, the swing arms where the ball the uh, all joints virtually all but tore out of the wheels and out of these swing arms. I'm thinking, hell, it's uh, whenever you hit a pothole, it'd be, it'd be a good idea for somebody to have a quick examination of the undercarriage of the vehicle. Okay, Eric, because Eric, we've got the, a panel with us, and you stay there. We'll come back to you once uh, David okay. and Janet have uh, have a bit of a word on this. David? Well, I've got one question to begin with, Eric, and that is... Um, oh, uh, do you see this damage happening to larger and larger vehicles? Or do you... Inv- well, no, sorry, I, I'm, I'm setting you up for a leading question because what I'm really yeah. wanting to know about is something that happened about 15 years ago, which is that they raised the... Um, the weight. Uh, yeah, yeah, they, the... Yeah, the weight. So, yeah, yeah, that has definitely had an impact. We were warned. They were warned that the, that the roads were never built to take those extra tonnages. The, and this is a problem. The, the roads are built for a price, 
and uh, yeah, the extra tonnage of the of the heavy trucks yeah. is not doing the roads any good at any good at all. And as I understand um, it, having done that, they then and this is it was Stephen Joyce who set that up, and then in the, about two years on from there, they cha- it was still in a national government. They changed to a system where the maintenance would be just in time rather than scheduled, um, and. Th- and also bled off certain proportion of the funding that they had had. So what you got, I understand, was a falling away in the uh, level of maintenance that you had seen. And now we have, as you rightly say, more and more rain, which means that at a certain point it's going to be hard to stay on top of this, isn't it? It it, it is. It will be. We might get some relief if we have quite a long uh, dry period over summer. Um, But... We, we, we must not be lulled into complacency because we're going to get the wets again uh, in, in, in the next uh, um, winter or whatever, whatever. There's no doubt about it. The, the climate change is, is aggravating the, uh, 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 the situation to yep. a certain degree or a reasonably good degree. All right, Eric, um, uh, stay there. Janet Wilson, let's bring you in. Um, Eric, I'm really interested in, in where we... Well, I'm interested in this policy because I don't know where they're going to get the $500 million from, but that's not your, your business. But I'm also interested in two things. I'm interested in the amount of rain we've had, but I'm also interested yes. in whether those added weights and mm. lack of maintenance of the roads have had some effect on our roading system as a whole. Oh, so yeah. what, which is worse in terms of the pothole situation? Well, the, the potholes have to be fixed in a very timely fashion, not a week later or 10 days later. They have to be fixed within, right. ideally within a, within a day or so, because, especially if it's raining because the, uh, the, the water gets in and it, it can't get out once they've plugged the, the pothole. The, the water stays on there and then it's got to drain out underneath the rest of the road, so it's Ah. it's, it's a system is doomed to failure. Eric, what do you think then of the National Party policy throwing, or pledging rather, $500 million over three years into a pothole repair fund? What do you think? (laughs) Um, Good luck with that. Um, There's a a huge uh, problem. I think I, I could be wrong, but I do believe the actual expertise that's available to the people that are working on the roads is, is somewhat uh, lacking. They, I've seen roads that have been put down and they're, and they're just torn to bits and in a very short time. You think, what are they? Is there something wrong with the tar, the tar itself or what it is? It's unbelievable. I just nobody seems to be accountable nowadays. But Eric, doesn't they, that doesn't that take us back around to that weight problem? Like, if you had a lower a, a, a lighter load on it, you might well they might well be standing up the, to it, and maybe that, the, that is correct. Yeah, yeah, I was reading an article of it in, in England, and they're thinking of bringing a tax in on electric vehicles because electric vehicles are quite a bit heavier than the normal ice vehicles. Um, I think that's going to <laughs> put a cat amongst the pigeons. Yes, we might look <laughs> back. We one. might do a bit of yeah. uh, checking up on that, Eric. Meanwhile, we better. Let, have you got any? Have you got any um, cars in the garage right now needing no, fixing no, due to potholes? We, we, we don't. We don't work on the cars. We only work on the wheels. 
Yeah, you got I've any... done 25,000 wheels in, in my lifetime. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Really? And how many of those 25,000 wheels due to potholes there, Eric? I would say probably I would say probably 75% of them are potholes. Wow. The rest of them are just bad driving, running into curbs and what have you. Good on you, Eric. Thanks for being with us. That's Eric King, Managing Director of Scorpro Engineering. He's done 25,000 wheels over his lifetime. 75% of them is due to potholes. The wheels of the business go round and round. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, sorry, Warren. I'm a glass of water and my cup's empty. I'm going to get one at uh, half past four, 28 past four. The panel, RNZ National, had to get to this. So you go to a roadside cafe, you're buying a pottle of hot chips on the run, and you ask for a squirt of sauce, just a squirt. And they say, no worries. That'll be 70 cents. That's what happened to a poor man in the Bay of Plenty. He realised he'd been charged 70 cents on top of his $4.50 bottle of chips. Verity Johnson raised this very issue on the panel last time she was on. Aren't condiments a part of the package or are cafes right to charge separately? Janet Wilson, you you get your bottle of chips, you ask for a squirt 70 cents later. I think it looks really mean, and I think 70 cents for a squirt, that seems like quite a bit. Why don't they incorporate sort of a little bit extra in their in their pie um, prices to accommodate so that when they say, can we have a squirt of tomato sauce, and you go, yeah, and people think they've got, got something for nothing. And you are that cheap, Janet Wilson. <laughs> That yes, you I can't, am. That you can't they don't call even... me Janet Wilson for nothing, Wallace Chapman. <laughs> you know. That you can't yes, even I fork out so. 70 cents. You can't even fork out 70 cents for that one squirt of sauce. Well, you see, people, things are tight these days. People are finding it really difficult. And 70 cents doesn't seem like a lot, but it all adds up, right? Yeah, doesn't but it? that... Really? Although that argument also applies to the person uh, selling the food, I suppose. Um, I've got to tell you, I don't have a dog in this fight because I think Wattie's tomato sauce is an absolute dog. I, I grew up probably because on Saturday lunchtimes, I used to, being you know farm, farmer folk, we always had the what was left of the sheep at the, that point, and it was either liver that was uh, consistency of a tyre or uh, brains or something like that. And so you would bury it in tomato sauce. And I think by association, I just hate that thing with a with, with a passion that but can it, barely but be it, described. But it could be the co- – it's condiments. It could yeah, be I get, I get the, the vinegar. It could it be could, the – That's you right, know? yeah. Now, keep that off my chips too. Okay. I like but, my but, chips the way they come. Wallace, are you going to charge for salt and pepper then? Well, I'm – Think about I'm, it. Yeah. I, okay. Yeah. You want a sprinkle of salt? That will be three cents. But we also have this problem clearly that you know, um, and and boy, doesn't isn't it rocketing you back to the seventies when you would go into the supermarket and the the packet of chocolates had the price crossed out three times with different prices on it, and and yeah. and, and and what ended up happening was that everybody was forever saying, well, we need to be putting up because they are. And the mentality of that is really hard to take back out of the yeah. equation. And clearly we're, we're, it can feel as though it's just happening here in New Zealand, but so, it, it bloody ain't. It's happening all over the world. Someone says, never, mind the, never yeah. mind the squirt, how about $5 for an extra tea bag in the pot? 
Gosh. Uh, come, uh, say that again. Never mind the squirt. Oh. How about an extra $5 for an extra tea bag in the pot? Crikey. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Gosh, wow. Uh, you're on the panel, uh, NZ National, Janet Wilson, David Spade.